Blog Talk Radio. Well, if you're listening to me, we are about to get started on Blog Talk Radio as we get lined out here. I should have just told you, sister, they're all in order. One after the other. Step to the speaker. Tonight, I guarantee you. All right. Well, let's take our song book and let's stand together. Let's hope a few more join us tonight. Let me get the place. Let me get the place. Facebook going. Turn your loud. Off your phone. Oh, well, that Turn with me to number 55, number 55. Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. Was it for crying that I have done? He groaned upon the tree. Amazing pity, grace unknown, and love beyond degree. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. Well, night the sun in darkness hides and shut his glories in. When Christ the mighty maker died for man the creature's sin. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. But drops of grief and merry face, the dead of love I owe. Dear Lord, I give myself away, is all that I can do. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. Amen. Well, praise God, and I am happy. 
Amen. Good to be saved. Amen. Amen. And good to be in God's house tonight. Amen. I thought we'd have a big crowd in here. God been raining down hailstones. Ain't a fire yet, but they mean they're big ones. I figured folks be pouring into the house of God tonight after that. Amen. Well, I, I hope, hopefully they don't get no bigger. Amen. I tell you, this mess of storms we've had here lately, this has been something. But uh, it's pro- yeah, I hope, I hope, and pray they, hope and pray this comes to an end pretty soon. This is a pretty bad little, pretty bad little uh, front we've had coming through, or whatever El Nino or whatever they call it. But uh, anyway, we need to pray, pray for folks in the path of these storms. Uh, I know they had that tornado up at uh, up in where we're from today. I've seen some folks up there talking about they had a tornado just south of. Our, where we where we live, down in there, not too far from that. But anyway, y'all y'all just pray, we need to pray for everybody affected by the weather. Like I said, I come through town, I seen a bunch of back windows was out of some vehicles, a lot of plastic on the back and sides of people's vehicles. Donnie never said they had a front window knocked out of their house. And, and uh, who had who else had who all had a window knocked out? Scott did. Wow. Mercy sakes. Well, we'll pray for everybody. Anybody any other prayer requests tonight? Just okay. They're tired, Dan. They keep him out the ball. Well, I'm pr- pray for them. They, they recover from his from his trip up there, and as well as he's recovered. They could not think of nothing better for him to do on his exercise. They took him to the second floor. If you know how big the hospital is, mm-hmm. walking from the elevator all the way down to the one and the B and two around. And back. Wow. That is a long, yep. long, long way. They needed a break on that floor, the nurse's station. Is that <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you need some ice cream and all <laughs> Well, I'm glad he's doing better and I'm glad he's coming home. Has anybody heard anything on Nail? On any, it, they were trying to find a hospital to do the steroid injections or whatever. I didn't ever hear no, no different on that. So, anyway, we'll be praying that, that they got it all worked out, and, and hopefully we'll hear soon. That's right. That's right. Okay. I didn't know where that was at. Okay. Yeah, we need to remember their family in prayer. Uh, pray for God to give them comfort. Um, trying to think. Any, we got anybody else? Anything else? You have anything? Okay. All right. Well, God knows what it is if we forgot. That's the thing. He knows. He knows what's on our heart, and sometimes what's what we forget on our mind. But uh, we just. I, I, I again want to echo the prayers. I, uh, again, friend of ours, uh, brother Donnie Edwards, that was at East Paris Baptist over there for a long time. He's at Legacy Baptist in uh, outside Texarkana, and he and a group of about twelve, I think twelve people. They are they're in Malawi. You know where Malawi is? It's in Africa. Do you know where that's at, sister? You don't know where Malawi is? Okay. Anyway, I know they flew to Johannesburg and they flew from there. It was like three hours from there. But anyway, I know Africa is a big place, so I'm not surprised. But anyway, they he they've been reporting on it and and uh, going from going to different villages and things. And he was talking about today. They went to this one village, and the, and the chief of the village had, had never allowed anybody to evangelize before, but they were going to let them go in and share the gospel. And they had went into a city yesterday, and uh, there was two women leaning against the house there in the shade. And 
and they talked to one of them, and, and they have English names, which I thought was interesting. But uh, and this one woman, he, he witnessed to her, and she trusted Christ, and then she got up and went next door and got her neighbors and told her neighbors and her neighbors' children what she had just got told, and they got saved. And then pretty soon the whole town, the whole village had heard about Christ just because of that one woman's testimony. So it's just powerful what God's doing in Africa. So praise God for that and pray for them. They have uh, a powerful time over there, continue to win souls to Christ, and, uh, and that they have a safe journey home. All right, well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's ask God to meet with us tonight. Robert, lead us in prayer. Amen. You can be seated. Till my throat be bad. 
will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown to the old rugged cross I will ever be true in shame then he'll call me someday to my home far away, where his glory forever I'll share. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross, till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross, and it's Amen. Right on over to 57 at Calvary. You won't even have to flip pages hardly tonight. Years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified, knowing not it was for me he died on Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. By God's word at last my sin I learned. Then I trembled at the law I spurned. Till my guilty soul imploring turned to Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burden soul found liberty at Calvary. Now I've given to Jesus everything. Now I gladly own him as my king. Now my raptured soul can only think of Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burden soul found liberty at Calvary. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty cloak that God did span at Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burden so found liberty at Calvary. All right, turn over one more. Tim, good see you tonight, brother. Turn to number 58. Kneel at the cross, and Christ will meet you there. Kneel at the cross, Christ will meet you there. Come while he waits for you. Listen to his voice, leave with him your care, and begin life anew. 
and authority over the, with the scriptures. And I just I just pray, Lord, you'd hold back the powers of darkness tonight while we preach the light. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. I thank God for the for the Word of God tonight. Amen. Because this world is going absolutely stark raving crazy. And I'm so thankful for some sanity right here in front of me. Amen. I don't know if y'all know all the stuff's going on at the White House lately. Did y'all see any of that stuff? Y'all seen the Pride Month celebration they had at the White House? Oh, if you didn't see it, you missed something. Uh, That's just outright uh, vulgarity and uh, perversion on display at the White House. I'll tell you about it in a little bit, but anyway. Uh, let's get into the message tonight. Uh, it start, we'll start there in verse 1. It says, The preparations of the hardened man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Now, what is that? Preparations of the heart in man. Um, God, if you read the Word of God at all, you know that God planned things. Amen. He, matter of fact, when he created it all, he had it all planned out already. I mean, from start to finish. God never, God never thought hmm, that'd be a good idea. God already knew it before he made it. He just spoke it, and it all, it all just fell right into place, just like somebody took a jigsaw puzzle with a million pieces and just chunked it, and it all landed together. That's how God created. Amen. All perfectly, uh, and and God prepares. Again, He's prepared. He's prepared me. He's prepared you. He's prepared a way for us. He's prepared a church. He's prepared. He's, he's prepared a world. He's prepared. Uh, he's prepared a nation. He's prepared so many things. He prepares a heart tonight to receive a message from Him. And if God plans and God prepares like that, doesn't it stand to reason that because since man is made in the image of God, the Bible tells us that in Genesis one twenty seven that God made man in His own image. Since God made man in His own image, doesn't it make sense that it's in the nature of man to also plan and prepare? Of course it does. We're made just like we're made in his image. We do things his way. Uh, you know, I got thinking about that. You know, we, we look at bugs crawling around and putting away food and all that stuff. Well, where did he get that at? That God put that in them. That's just part of God's nature to prepare and plan. And why, why did birds build nests? God put it in their hearts to plan and prepare. I mean, why do snakes dig a hole and have to lay their eggs? God put it in their heart to prepare. He put it in a snake's heart. Amen. God prepares, God prepares black widow spiders to lay their eggs. I mean, God prepares everything. The Bible said the preparation of hardened man. But it says the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. The answer of the tongue is from the Lord. So a man prepares, a man figures out what he wants to do. But when, when, when wisdom is given a voice... When, when wisdom finds a voice that you hear, whether it be your own tongue or somebody else's tongue, it ain't them and it ain't you. Wisdom finds its way. Wisdom is from the Lord. Man does not have wisdom on his own, right? I don't come up with something wise on my own. I had to learn it somewhere, right? I'm just an empty vessel you pour some wisdom into, and, I'm, and all of a sudden I'm full of wisdom. I'll pour it out to you, but I learned it somewhere. I don't ever think when I get up here, boy, he's smart. He sure is smart. I learned it from some other smart fellow. Amen? If, if I say something sounds real smart and slick and say, oh, that's, that's pretty good. Well, I heard it somewhere else. Amen? Ain't nothing original. Don't, don't think it for one second it is. Amen? God's the only one's original. Amen? There ain't nothing man comes up with is original nowhere. But, but again, if, if I say something good, if I tell you something, that's, you say, boy, that rings true. Be rest assured it came from God. It didn't come from me. 
Amen. The answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Uh, you know, again, man, man, you know, we do, we make plans, but again, we depend on God for that wisdom. We depend on, the best of our plans sometimes don't come through. And and, and we, we plan and, and figure it all out, and then somebody gives us some wisdom, and all of a sudden we scrap our plans because now we see God's way was so much better than our way. Right? I mean, a lot of times that's the way it works. You 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 be going in one direction, and you so sure, and then God God has somebody speak something to you, and you go, I never thought of that. And suddenly you change course because somebody gave you some wisdom from God that totally changed your whole world. Amen. But that, that's that's the way it happens sometimes. Let's look at verse two. All right, all the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes. Well, imagine that. But the Lord weigheth the spirits. All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes. Well, I'm a good person. You know, I, you would not believe how many doors I have knocked on in the course of my ministry and talked to good people. Didn't know there were good people living there. Couldn't tell it when I pulled up. I mean, I really couldn't tell it. For, you know, it looked like it looked like maybe one of Hell's Angels lived there or something. But they opened the door, man, they're good people. They just, oh, we're good people. We're so good. We do this and we do that, and everybody's good in their own eyes, you know, by instinct, because our flesh is our instinct, a lot of it. We we justify ourselves, and we see our way as pure. Now, we look at other people, we look down our nose at them, we point our finger at them, and we talk about, Ugh, I can't believe they do things the way they do. But we look at ourselves, we go, oh, we're, we're all right, because it's us, you know. All the ways. I mean, I couldn't do no wrong. I don't get up in the morning and criticize. Do you get up in the morning and criticize yourself? I don't. I bet there ain't nobody in here gets up in the morning and criticizes yourself. Looks at things we do all day long. Looks at the things they do. Go, oh, you're a mess. I bet ain't none of us do that. We're pretty satisfied with the way we do things. But the Bible's telling us. Well, the Bible, the Bible, will, the Bible will, will knock the dust off of you. It sure will. It'll set you straight. Because we think we're okay. Did you know that that most criminals and most violent, most some of the most violent people in the world have thought that they were pure, they were okay. I mean, I'm, I, I, I mean, I, I'm, I've never had a conversation with any of them, but I, I'm, I'm pretty sure Attila the Hun probably thought he was okay. I'm pretty sure Adolf Hitler probably looked himself in the mirror and said, you know, I'm a pretty good guy. I mean, really, Pol Pot, you know, I mean, uh, Mao Zedong. I mean, I'm sure. Stalin, I, I'm sure. I mean, you know, when he was adjusting his uniform, he probably thought, I'm a good guy. Ain't nobody going to mess with me. I'm a good guy. You know, I mean, Al Capone, he thought he was a pretty good guy. He did a lot of charity work. Why and Clyde, I'm sure they thought they were doing good. They were robbing the bank, taking from the rich, giving to the poor, you know, all that good stuff. That really wasn't what was happening. But, but they probably thought they were pretty good people. They probably thought it was wrong when they started shooting holes in them. You know, why would they shoot us? We're pretty good people. <clears throat> but, you know, when you get to know man pretty well, you know, you'll find out that it doesn't really matter what your sin is. You can find a way to justify it. If it's your sin... Should nobody else look at your sin because it's your sin, you know? And we've gone past that in this world. You know, we've gotten to the point now where not only should you not talk about my sin, but you should be okay with my sin. 
Matter of fact, you better not say a bad word about my sin because that's my sin and you'll offend me. You know why people say that? Because they don't have any respect for God anymore. Because once you threw out what God had to say, then you then then you then you can do whatever you want to. Bible talks about you know in Judges when we read there was no king in Israel and every man did that which was right in his own eyes. So he thought it was okay. So if I want to murder somebody, hey, you know what God was mean to me. So hey, that's okay. That's right in my eyes. If I want if I want to take this man's wife away from him, hey, he wasn't treating her right in my eyes. So I mean, hey, I'm gonna, I'm doing her a favor. You know, I mean, again, when you when you can justify it, and most people do justify it, the Bible says, "But the Lord weigheth the spirits." We can constantly self-justify, and, and and we do it all we want to, right up to death's door. But God is fair. That's one thing we're sure of. God is just, and God is fair, and God is going to accurately weigh us in His scales. And I can tell you this, if the blood of Jesus Christ is not on our account, we will be weighed in the scales and found warning, as the Bible tells us. The Lord weigheth the Spirit. God, God knows. You know, God knows how to measure. God's pretty accurate on his measurement. And again, you talk about something weighty. The blood of Christ is pretty weighty. It, it can send the scales in the right direction. But without it, boy, we're in trouble. You know, again, this fellow named Ross, he said the conclusion of the matter is that we deceive ourselves so easily and therefore cannot fully evaluate ourselves. The Bible tells us that. We deceive ourselves. Again, we we deceive ourselves. You know, the Bible tells us let no man seduce you because people are trying to deceive you and you're deceiving yourself. I mean, we're living in a world full of deception. I mean, everywhere you turn, people are lying to you. People, People are lying to you on TV. They lie to you in person. I mean, it's just lies everywhere. So you don't know who to believe. God and God and the Bible, uh, not Bible, but this fellow, he says, by his spirit and through his word, provides penetrating evaluation. All you got to do is get in church, get in your Bible, and God will God will pretty quick, quickly cut through all of the minutia and get right to the point and show you exactly where you fail, exactly where you missed the mark, exactly where, where you need to... Where you, where, where you either need to get saved or you need to get right with him. God's pretty easy to, to, to work those things out. He has He's not a bit bashful. So, again, we can, we can say, oh, I'm all right, I'm all right. You can say that all the way to hell. Or you can let God measure you and see that you come up short and you need Jesus. Verse 3, commit thy way, I'm sorry, commit thy works. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. Commit thy works unto the Lord. That's something everybody ought to do. Most people don't know what I'm talking about. But let me put it this way. As we live our life, I mean, we're not saved by works. We know that. Our works don't have nothing to do with our salvation. A man can't work himself to heaven no matter how hard he tries. He'll fall short and he'll he'll wind up in hell. But because we're saved, we should have works. We should have good works. And we can't do those works independent of God. And so many people, they, they, they frustrate themselves in the Christian life because they try to do good works to impress God. Oh, God, see how good I Like a little kid. Try, I mean, like a little kid went out and got a bucket of paint and tried to paint the house and came in and said, Daddy, come out and look what I did. How's that going to turn out? <laughs> okay, that's the way we do. We try to set up and live for God and live a Christian life without God's power. 
without the Holy Spirit of God uh, producing the work in us. We need to commit our works unto the Lord, which means give God our life, give God our abilities, give God our works, and say to the Lord, listen, I, I want to I work for you. I want to do what I do for you. Everything in our life ought to be done for you. Well, I have, okay, well, here's the problem. And that's what my heart says. My heart says everything I do, Lord, I want to do it for you. Okay? But the problem is I got a family and I got, I mean, I, I'm a pastor, but I mean, if I wasn't a pastor, say I worked at the hardware store. Okay, I got to get up in the morning and go work at the hardware store. I got to take care of my life. I can't just sit around and praise God all day long. How do I commit my, I mean, I got to load up two by fours and I got to find door hinges and, I mean, I gotta, I gotta put, I gotta load up, sock up some peepholes for somebody. I mean, I gotta get a window. I mean, how am I gonna go? Off? Well, the Bible tells us that. Colossians three twenty three says, "And whatsoever you do, heartily." That means give it your all. Be the best one in the bunch. If you are a plumber, you be the best plumber in the ditch. If you are serving food, you have the biggest smile on your face and have the cheeriest disposition, and you make sure you make that food look good when you put it on that plate. Amen? It makes, hey, hey, people eat with their eyes before they eat with their mouth. It's important you make it look good. Ask me how I know. Four years of that, I know. <clears throat> what? Do it heartily. That means don't, don't halfway do nothing. Don't just, just mail it in, as they say. Well, I can't stand to go to a fast food restaurant, drive food. That'd be six dollars and forty three cents. You get down here. Here's your food. Here's your drink. Not welcome to McDonald's. I don't want to go to McDonald's. I don't. I don't know about McDonald's, but wherever you go, there's no more friendliness. There's no more heartily in anybody. It seems like people are just going through the motions begrudgingly. Here's your food. Here's this. There you go. Out of the way. I got another customer. The Bible says we're to commit our works, which means everything that we do in life should be given to God. We should be doing it as if though every customer that rolled through that drive-thru is Jesus Christ coming through in a different vehicle. And so I'm going to feed the Lord, and I want to give him the best thing I could possibly give him, the biggest smile I could possibly give him, the warmest greeting I could possibly give him, and make him go away thinking, man, I can't wait to go back around here again so I can see that smile on that person's face. I'll come through here and eat every day even though I don't even like this food just so I can visit that person and see that smile and, and feel the warmth that I got out of that person. That Again, I, listen, I may not need no more no, nothing else done around here, but man, that handy man I hired him was such a good, sweet Christian person. I'm gonna find something for him to do, so I, so I can fellowship with this guy again. Whatsoever you do, do it heartily, is under the Lord, not under men. That's what we're talking about. And I'm gonna go a little further. Commit thy works. The word commit that phrase commit thy works in the Hebrew it literally means to roll something. To roll as a man rolling a burden that's too heavy for himself, like he had a rock he was trying to lift and he, he couldn't lift it, so he rolling it to somebody else to help him lift it, begging him to help. So what are we doing? I can't. This job's hard, God. You don't understand how hard it is. This job, people are mean to me and they don't like me, and I can't go in there and act like a Christian. God says, roll that to me. 
Roll that to me. I'll lift that. You can't? Okay, fine. You just get up and go in there. Roll that to me. And I'll take it. Commit thy works to the Lord. Let God have it. And it, you know what it does? It, it, it also, the, the, the way it says, it, it, it notes a sense of finality. Roll it under the Lord and leave it there. Not, I can make it, I'll make it through the day, but I don't know about tomorrow. No, you leave it. Well, look, when I put money in an offering place, I never think about it again because I'm not ever going to see it again. It's gone. It ain't mine. I turn up to a mine start with. But when I put it in there, it's the Lord, and I turn it over to him. I'm not going back after that. Lord, no, we're going to steal that from God, and I'm not going to go try back and try to take something back I gave to God. Amen. That's good right there. I'll preach. <clears throat> And just because we give something to God, that don't make it any less ours. Just because we gave it to him, we just got another shoulder in that table to lift. Amen? It's just gotten lighter for us. Amen? I, I wrote a song about that. It's called Somewhere Down the Road. You'll find the load you carry will be lighter than it was before. That's what the lyric is. And that's, that's the truth. I mean, because he tells us to get in a yoke with him and, and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, when you're in a yoke, that means you're both pulling together. But God's saying, hey, get in here with me, and I'll do the lifting. I'll do the pulling. You just walk and talk to me. And i got the load. So commit it to him, and thy thoughts shall be established. That's the second part. If thy thoughts shall be established, and, and, and again, <coughs> we usually think about committing our thoughts and our plans to the Lord. That's fine. You know, God, direct me, lead me, and all that stuff. But, and then... Once we, he gets us all lined up, then we get our works committed to him. But Solomon flipped that. He, didn't, he said, don't do it that way. No, no. First, you give him your works. You don't, you don't worry about your plans yet. You just put your works in his hand. You just say, Lord, I'll do it whatever it is. I don't care. I'm giving you all of me. I, I, I'll give you all of me. You do with me what you will. I trust you. I know you. Yeah, I trust you enough to save my soul from hell. Surely I can trust you to take care of my life from here on out. So I'll just give you all of my works. Lord, whatever it is you want me to do, I'll do it with a smile, and I'll do it with loving Jesus all the way, and God then will work all the plans out. That's how he wants you to do it. Verse 4. The Lord hath made all things for himself, yea, even the wicked for the day of evil. Well, that's a verse right there. That's a verse that's hung up a lot of people for a long time because they, 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 they read it and they, they start looking at God sideways. For real. I know people, and I've got friends, and especially hyper-Calvinists, and I have a few hyper-Calvinist friends. I'm not a hyper-Calvinist. I don't believe that, I, I do not believe, let me state for the record, I do not believe that certain people are, are, are hand-picked by God for heaven, and they go into heaven whether they want to or not, and there's nothing they can do about it, and I don't believe that God hand-picks certain people to go to hell, and they're going to hell, and ain't nothing they can do about it. They couldn't go to heaven if they wanted to. I don't believe for one second any soul will ever look out of hell, shake their fist, and say, God, I wanted to go to heaven, but you didn't die for me. I wanted to go to heaven, but you didn't shed your blood for me, and I'm burning in hell, and ain't nothing I can do about it. There ain't a soul ever do that that could honestly say that. So the Bible says the Lord has made all things for himself, yea, even the wicked for the day of evil. This is simple. The Lord has made all things for himself. God is the creator of all things. So, we have, I mean, that's pretty pretty obvious. There's nothing without made that wasn't made by him, right? Without him was not anything made that was made. That's what the Bible says, okay? 
So he is the creator of all things, so he has a right to claim all things for himself. Everything is mine. I made every bit of it. I can do with it what I want to. The Bible says, yea, even the wicked for the day of evil. God's plan and God's providence includes the destiny of the wicked. They've got to wind up somewhere. They're in this world, and I know some people say, well, why in the world are they even here? God could have made robots that were all, we all just walk around and say, yes, Jesus, we love you, Jesus, we love, but there would be no, God wouldn't feel much love out of that. God wouldn't get much out of a relationship that was forced, and you, you I mean, made, like, I mean, I, I know y'all seen, I didn't watch it, but that Disney movie with the little, little yellow things running around, the minions, they call them, I don't watch it, I don't watch movies, but, but basically they just run around. I've never seen the movie, but I assume they just roll around and say yes and do whatever they're told to do by the boss man. And God don't want Christians who are just programmed to be little yes men. God wants us to love him because he loved us. So God made it so that we, we can either accept his love or we can reject his love. We can either believe what he said or we can reject what he said because he wants us to love him because we choose him. Amen. He draws us, he pulls us to where we can see what he has done clearly through the eyes of, of faith and then based on whether or not we, we believe him or not, whether or not we choose to love him or not in that moment, whether we repent or not, that determines everything. And and, and I'm not going to stand here and say that I don't believe that God already knows because God already knows. Of course he does. God doesn't, God doesn't not know anything. So of course he knows who's going to hell. He knows who's going to heaven. There ain't no, but he don't make them choose that. That choice is that choice is there for them to make. But God knows ahead of time. So anyway, we can simply say this: God knows everybody that's going to be in heaven. God knows everybody that's going to be in hell. And because He knows that they're not going to believe on the only begotten Son of God, and they are going to choose destruction because of that, God has appointed a place and He has appointed a day of doom for them. And as simple as I can put it, there are no loose ends when it comes to God. God's got it all figured out. He's got it all sewed up. There ain't nobody unaccounted for. Everybody's got a place. But that doesn't mean that, that God is the author of evil because he's certainly not. Um, verse 5. Well, you breaches up. Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. It's pride month. I thought I'd do something special. Amen. Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. You know that makes it makes him want to vomit. And though hand join in hand, he shall not be unpunished. I mean, I, I mean, I've seen so much about proud, pride, pride this, pride that. It's Pride Month. You know, you get people who died in a war fighting for the freedom of our country. And they get one day, and people don't even know whether it's to honor those who served or the ones who died. We don't even know. We also mixed up and turned around. We don't even know what's what. They get one day, and, and the people who decide to, to, to mutilate what God gave them and change themselves into something else get a whole month to parade them down the streets and, and go into libraries and, and wear their weird, horrible, perverted costumes and their makeup and and, and rub God's rainbow right back in his face. I mean, it's just a mess. They're probably going to take this off the air. That's fine if they do. I don't care. I'm going to say what needs to be said. God resists the proud, 
and regards them as an abomination. That's exactly what it is. James 4, 6, the Bible says, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. They can go ahead and parade, and they can go ahead and hate God all they want to, but they are fighting God all the way. Fighting God, doing what they're doing. First Peter 5, 5, he says, he says, again, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. And the proud man or woman is imitating Satan in their rebellion. That's exactly what they're doing. In Isaiah chapter 14, let me read that to you. I know y'all want me to read that to you, so I'm going to. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12 through 15, we see about this pride. Let me tell you about the first episode of pride we had. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12 says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? Uh, son of the morning, how art thou cut down to the nation which did weaken, uh, cut to the ground which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation and the sides of the north. I will ascend my, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Talk about prideful. Boy, Lucifer thought he was, he could, he thought, I'll just, I'll just kick God off his throne and I'll sit on the throne of God and I'll be God. Well, that ain't how it works. Because God is not going to step aside and let Satan take over. The Bible says, though hand join in hand, he shall not be unpunished. They say that of this new generation that's coming up, and I don't know if this is, if this is, uh, convoluted stats or not, but they say that of the new gener- the youngest generation that's coming up, that 20% of them consider themselves transgender. I don't know if that's true or not. I know I know down here in Clarksville, Texas, they probably ain't 20% of them doing that. But, I, but you know, we ain't in Chicago or New York or San Francisco neither. So I figure there's, there's millions in them cities, so that probably balances out pretty good. But God help us. And, you know, again, they have pride parades, and then people march in the streets. And they and and and, and, I, and I've watched videos here lately of people who, who stand out on the corner with scripture signs and reading the Bible while these pride parades going on. And I've seen numerous. I mean, they're not yelling, they're not screaming, they're not being ugly. They're standing there with a Bible, reading a Bible, and a cop just rush them and roll down, arrest them, and haul them off. You say how to do it. We got a First Amendment. Well, somehow or another, they they find ways to get around all that. And I've known I've, I've known tons of preachers who went to jail for preaching the truth, and not being rude and mean, not breaking laws, not screaming and disturbing the peace, preaching, and go to jail for it. Listen, this this world this world does not love our God anymore. This world has has turned. I'm telling you, we wonder, we look and we say, well, why on earth are all these things happening? I just don't understand how we got from from the world of the 1950s to the world of 2023. I don't understand how we went from leave it to beaver to where we are now. How did this happen? Y'all remember we talked about that slippery slope a while back down the road? Well, it's slippery. Very slippery. We remember hearing about the frog in the pot of water. And we didn't re- he didn't realize he was boiling until he boiled. Yeah, well, we're there. 
This is what happens when people begin to worship Satan. I want you to understand that our world is full of satanic worship. Uh, the, the department store now has uh, Target has has a line of clothing that they've been selling here lately that that is promoting satanic worship in Target. They promote it for and it's for children. It ain't for grown people. It's for little kids, for children, my little girl's age. I, I seen one the other day. It was a shirt, t-shirt. It had this looked like a little teddy bear. But everything on that teddy bear was something satanic. It had goat horns. It had 666s. It had pentagrams. It had all kinds of things. Though hand joined in hand, he shall not be unpunished. You know, that's what happened with the Tower of Babel, too, didn't it? Hand joined in hand. We're going to build a tower to heaven. We'll get so high, he can't flood us out again. We'll get hey, we'll we'll make a name for ourselves. We'll get loose from that God. We'll make a name for ourselves and we'll build us a tire up ironing reach. Though hand joined in hand, he shall not be unpunished. Again, what was going on at Babel? Well, if you do if you if you dig into the history of it, uh child sacrifice, kinda like abortion, uh a lot of sodomites behavior going on back there. Anytime you see Satan worship, you're going to find homosexuality and you're going to find child sacrifice. It all, that's part of their worship. And so that's why you see, that's why you see the Democratic Party pushing vehemently for abortion to be legal and stay legal. And and, and again, that's why Hollywood is, is so bent on this pedophilia junk because again, they're caught up in this child sacrifice and the whole sex slaves thing across America. That thing is so widespread and so interwoven between powerful people in this country, you wouldn't believe it. I mean, it's, it's, it's unbelievable what goes on in our country. I mean, people are stolen right out of our own cities and towns, and they got people, they got people looking for people to steal. They have people in, in Walmart looking for children to take so they can sell them to these people to, to, to do atrocious things with. All those things are going on. And again, God says, you know what? They can do, say what they want. They can do what they want. But I can tell you one thing. They won't go unpunished. Let me, I want to give you some verses tonight. I, I just want to give you some verses. And you can write these references down. I don't expect you to look them all up. I'm going to give them to you fast. But I want to give you 15 verses tonight. And, and again, you may not need this but right now, but you may end up running into somebody where you need to show where the Bible shows what's wrong with this pride stuff. And, yes, I'm talking about homosexuality. Beginning, number one, Leviticus 18.22. Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is abomination. Makes God want to vomit. Leviticus 20.13. If a man also lie with mankind, as he lieth with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. Romans chapter 1, verse 26 through 28. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. Why? Because they didn't want to retain God in their knowledge. They got God out of their thinking. He gave them up unto vile affections. In other words, he didn't restrain them at all from going as far as they wanted to go. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. That means they turned into lesbians. 
And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, that's having babies and having a family and being married together, and they burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly. It is not right. It is unnatural. And receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. What does that mean? Recompense means getting what you deserved for the error that you committed. It's called diseases. It's called it's called committing suicide because you're gone crazy because you're perverted. It's called it's called my life is chaos and out of control and I can't be happy. And so I want to mutilate myself. Why? Because I I hate God and I don't understand why I'm so miserable. The Bible said, as even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. Yeah, I don't want to think about God. Don't get that Bible away from me. Don't you say that to me. Don't you judge me. Yeah, they don't want God in their knowledge. God gave them over to a reprobate mind. That means they're the sickest, most messed up people you could ever imagine to do those things which are not convenient. God stopped trying to reel them back in, and God cut the cord. You're adrift. Go. You want to be gone from me? Bye. That's what that means. Genesis 1.28. God blessed them and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Well, there's one problem. Adam and Steve can't replenish the earth. And Eve and Gladys can't do it neither. Well, I reached back for that one, didn't I? Gladys. <laughs> I don't know what they used back there. Eve, I, I don't know. Anyway, all right, let's keep going. All right, Romans 1, 24 through 27. I'm going to use part of the other one I just used. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own heart to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Again, it's unnatural. It's disgusting. Who's changed the truth of God into a lie. In other words, they said, hey, he's a woman. It's not really a man. It's not a male God. He's a woman. She. We'll call her she. Change the truth of God into a lie. And what they do, they worship and serve the creature. They worship man. Man is his own God. Man makes his own decisions. Man decides what's moral and immoral. They worship the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, God gave them up. God said, you don't want me. Fine. Okay. He gave them up to, to vile affection. Again, we, and we know what it said after that. 1 Corinthians 6, 9-11. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. That's men with men working that which is unseemly. There it is right there. Shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And he said, and such were some of you. The Corinthian church, there was some who had come out of that life and had gotten saved. And he said, you used to be a homosexual. You used to live that life. You were that, but you're not anymore. You've been saved. You've been washed. You're sanctified. You're justified. Jude 1-7. Jude 1-7 is another one even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh. That's exactly what that means. And set forth an example, suffering the vengeance 
of eternal fire. Why did all that fire fall on Sodom and Gomorrah? Because God got disgusted with them, and it made him want to puke, so he burned it all up where he wouldn't have to look at it anymore. First Timothy 1.10, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men stealers, they defile themselves with mankind. Again, there you go. Romans 9.20, nay, but old man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to the thing that formed it, why hast thou made me thus? So a man says, I'm a woman on the inside. I just, I feel like a woman. I, I, need, to, I need to grow my hair long, and I need to shave all my hair off and take, and take estrogen, and, and I, need to, I need to be prissy and, and start talking to the and, and I couldn't do nothing. I'm just sorry. I just, I'd make the ugliest woman in the world. Praise God. I ain't never going to try. Amen? <clears throat> you know what's amazing, though? And I, and I, I don't know why I'm bringing this out in a church service. But, you know, you talk about Hollywood and some of the weird things in Hollywood. I heard a black comedian say one time, if you ever want to notice how Hollywood is with this perversion, he said, notice that every every black actor, who, a comedian who made it big had to dress up as a woman in a movie. And every single one of them, you can't name them one who didn't who made it big that they didn't make dress up as a woman in a movie. Something weird about that. Something weird about that. Um First Kings fourteen twenty one, and Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, reigned in Judah. Rehoboam was forty and one years old when he began to reign, and he reigned seventeen years in Jerusalem, the city which the Lord did choose out of oh, wait a minute, I got the wrong verse. Well anyway. First Kings fifteen twelve, and he took away the sodomites out of the land and removed all the idols his father had made. That's what the other verse I was looking for said. Second Kings twenty three seven, and he broke down the houses of the sodomites that were by the house of the Lord. They had sodomites living by the house of the Lord, where the women wove hangings for the grove. So they gift them. They had all kinds. Of, there's nothing new. There's nothing new under the sun. This stuff's been going on forever. Galatians six. 7 and 8, be ye not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Again, that was a warning to the Christian, but at the same time, it's a truth. It's a truth. If you sow to the flesh, you're going to of the flesh reap corruption. Mark 10, 6 through 9, I'm almost done with this, and we'll be going to the house in just a second. But from the beginning, the creation of God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, cleave to his wife. They twain shall be one flesh. Then they are no more twain, but one flesh. What God hath joined together, like not man put asunder. In Romans 6:21, what fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. Talking about their sin. What fruit have you in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? There's going to be a day when all those people who were unsatisfied with their sex and said, I want to be something else. They're going to have to stand for God. And you know what? They're going to have to give an answer. But why? Number one, they hated him, and they refused what he gave them. They said, no, you made a mistake. You didn't know. You didn't make me right. I was born this way. That's what they you made me a woman in a man's body. How dare you do this to me? Now I've got to go pay thousands of dollars and go through years of treatment and psychotherapy to be able to be normal in my real self with my green hair and my nose rings and 
tongue split down the middle like a blizzard. Yeah. Oh, anyway. Let me show you something. I don't know if you've seen this or not. Y'all seen this picture yet? That's your White House. Yeah, that's your White House. Let me, let me get in here and see it. This is a picture of the Pride celebration they had in the White House. They celebrate the transactions. Let me, let me just, I ain't played this in church, but I'm not checking. Yeah, and there was a, there was a, they had they had some transsexuals up there. They were parading in front of everybody. They had a man who was a who is now uh, sporting silicone implants. Except he's not just looking like a woman from the waist up. Of course, in the bottom he was still a man. Uh, he's, of course, he's still a man anyway, but he still had his plumbing. He's wearing a white tight white bikini, so it's very obvious it's a man. And yet, at the t- at the same time, he takes off his bikini top and proceeds to put on a show for everybody there. Meanwhile, there's a woman who used to look like a woman, but now has had her breast surgically removed and has taken hormones. Now she has a hairy chest, and she has her hairy chest exposed. And there was enough backlash from it that the White House made a statement and said, you know, those people are never going to be welcome back to the White House again. We cannot tolerate that kind of behavior. So you're so perverted, you make our other perversion look bad. That's what they're saying. How dare you come out with that perverted stuff amongst our perversion? Let me tell you something. They crossed my line in the sand. My line in the sand. So hereby, this night, I'm going to make it public. Not that it matters, but but, uh, I'm no longer answering to this government because this government has departed from morality and God and everything else. So this is my my whole government right here. I'm following this all. I, I mean... Uh, yeah, I'll still, I'll still obey the traffic laws and all those things. I'm not saying I'm becoming an anarchist, but I'm saying to you, I don't care what they come out from that White House with. I don't care what they say. I don't care what new laws they come up with. It don't make no difference. I'm staying right where the Word of God is, and they can just haul me off, or they can just put a bullet in my head because I'm going to stand with God, and I'm not going where they're going. I, uh, like I told my wife, I, I, I'm not going with Lot Sodom. I'm sorry. I'm just not. I'm gonna stay with Abraham. I'm not going with I'm, I'm not going with Lot. Amen. And and praise God. I just I can't do it. And I ain't gonna do it. Amen. Let's finish. I gotta hurry. I, I went too far tonight anyway. Going over time. One more verse and we're done. By mercy and truth iniquities purged, and by the fear of the Lord men depart from evil. Again. That's the only way any of this stuff can ever be solved for any of these people that are caught up in this stuff. By mercy and truth, iniquity can be purged. Yes, there are people who get saved out of that stuff. And, you know, let me just say tonight for the record, if someone were to, if I were to run into somebody or somebody were to come to me and and, and say to me, you know, preacher, I messed up. I went off into that life, and I, and I made some changes to myself, and I totally messed myself up. What can I do? I, I tell them real quick. You just need to repent. You need to, you need to ask God for forgiveness. You need to you need to get born again. You need to get saved, and God can God can begin to work those things out of your life. 
you know, I don't hate anybody that, that calls themselves gay or transsexual or anything like that. There's no reason for me to hate them. Listen, there's somebody that God made, and there's somebody that Christ died for, and he'd save any one of them that would come to him. The problem is they're so full of pride they can't see that they need to be saved. So what we need to do, because we're living in a world that is quickly filling up with these kind of people, we need to not get bitter and ugly and hateful toward them. But at the same time, we cannot we cannot get on the same road they're on to put our arm around their shoulder and say, I understand. You can't do that. You've got to stand in truth and love them from where you're at. Now, you've got to get down there where they're at to love them, but you've got to stay where you're standing. You can't get where they're at. You can't start saying, well, I just understand it's difficult. No, listen. Christ has a cure for all that. Amen? They don't need no therapy. They need Jesus. Amen? By mercy and truth. That's the only thing. Mercy and truth came through Jesus Christ. That's the only That's the only way that any of this can be fixed. And it's by fear of the Lord that men depart from evil. As long as they don't fear him, as long as they, they're full of hostility and bitterness, they'll never see the truth. But I, But my hope and my prayer is tonight, that somebody out there somewhere is listening to this message. I hope and pray somebody out there has realized that, that Jesus has paid for their sins. He's already done everything that's necessary for them to go to heaven. All they need to do is get up from their sin and look toward heaven and realize, hey, Jesus has done all this. He set me free. All i got to do is receive his gift. And if they believe on him and trust that he has paid for their sins on Calvary, that he's done it all, and that God signified that it was enough by raising him from the dead three days later, exactly as the scriptures had prophesied that he would be, if, if they just simply believe what God has done, he'll save their soul tonight. And that's my hope and that's my prayer. Amen. Let's stand together and we'll get ready to go to the house. Thank you for listening tonight. Thank you for giving me ear long as you have. And uh, let's pray for God to give us a good good Sunday. Let's pray for people to be in the house of God. And you remind people, and you, as you see and talk to people, remind them to be here. And urge them to be here. The time is short. Listen, we only got so many Sundays left. We really ain't got so many Sundays left. And I, I don't know how many, and you don't know how many, but I suggest to you that it ain't near as many as you probably think there are. Because this world, listen, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Tell me how it's different we better be looking up amen let's go to the lord in prayer all right byron dismiss us amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals from courses to help you attain or retain certification to individualized coaching services to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen management concepts optimizes your professional development online in person individually or groups it's training that's measurably better learn more at managementconcepts.com that's managementconcepts.com lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once actually do i have to say yes you do in the car before my kids pta meeting really yes excuse me what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky i never win and tell well there you have it you can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com play for free right now are you feeling lucky no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details